0: There are certain topics that we will pound into the ground on the show. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it definitely happens. Important issues deserve revisiting from multiple perspectives. And that has very much been the case for National Disability Employment Awareness Month. What's really been delightful is the enthusiasm and multitude of ways that people want to approach the topic. So let's welcome in Jenny Bovard, who has some thoughts on the month from her experience in the work in world. Hey, good morning, Jenny.
1: Good morning, Dave.
0: So, Jenny, you want to start this conversation from the place of personal experience. I'm I'm just going to clear out and hand you the microphone. What's the story?
1: Well, usually I like to tell a story with a happy ending, and this is no exception. It's going to get a little ugly here for a second, but... A little over a decade ago, I had a chance to work for Canada's largest telecommunications company, and that's all I'll say about who they were. Uh, and and it was a really exciting thing for me. Uh, it was in the customer service uh, industry, which was an industry I felt like I fit in really well. So I had a bit of experience, was really excited. And our first few weeks on the job was in a training type setting, in a classroom setting. There were like. 15 or so of us. And the trainers, they had swapped shifts. So one evening, we wound up with a new trainer. And not long into the evening, into the shift, this new trainer says, Uh, They asked me to essentially remove my hat. I was wearing a hat because this environment was extremely bright. I have extreme light sensitivity. Dave, you can maybe relate and maybe have some.
0: It's part of our albinism deal. I've had plenty of conversations working in the TV world about how do we light me in an appropriate way that doesn't absolutely punish me.
1: I'm a real pain in the butt when it comes to lighting, but you have to be, to be able to function. And that was the case here. So I had my hat on, I was asked to remove it. And I explained really just kind of briefly because I was in amongst all my peers. I had explained, you know, human resources and the other trainer, they they know that I need to wear this hat to function. So if if we want to talk about it more, we can talk about it maybe on the break. And they responded, the trainer responded by questioning that my need to wear this hat was real. It was it was a really snarky response to the effect of really are you being real right now this kind of language. So and this was in front of my peers and it was really really uncomfortable and it felt a lot It it felt very uncomfortable, so we tried to chat about it on the break. I really didn't make much progress with this person. Um, I encouraged them to check in with HR and the other trainer, and they could sort of fill them in that all the documentation was there. I had done all my due diligence on my end, um, and they were really not very apologetic and pretty unwilling to sort of follow through on the accommodation. Um, Long story short, I ended up wearing the hat. Obviously, Um, no one was going to tell me not to wear the hat, so. Continued to wear it. But when it came time, it got worse. It snowballed, Dave. When it came time to get out onto what we call the floor in the contact center world, when you begin starting to take calls and assisting customers, um, they did not have my Zoom text or large monitor in place. And I had done everything on the right timeline, provided all the documentation, and requested everything I needed to request. But it wasn't available. And so this was another issue where I just didn't get the response that you should get. I It was 20 plus emails to HR. It was phone call after phone call. And it was really difficult because my shift was in the evening and the human resources folks were there during the day. Right, I right. even tried to go in to meet with them face to face. They'd never made time for me good thing happened. I I connected with an employment service for people with disabilities. They found me a fantastic role elsewhere. So I up and hauled myself out of there. But it felt so wrong. It felt a lot like discrimination. I did a little bit of homework and I thought, you know, maybe I should pursue this so that other people don't have to deal with this down the line. This is not how a company of this size or any business, frankly, should respond to accommodation requests, whether it's in the moment, or whether it's the paperwork, the due diligence things that we need to do by disclosing. So I ended up filing a human rights complaint and it went well. We came to an early resolution. So this is usually the best outcome.
0: Jenny, I know that experience must have been very trying. It doesn't take much imagination to understand how trying that would be. I'm sure there's people at Homeless Thing who are empathetic, who've had similar experiences. As you zoom out a little bit, What do you think the impact is of all the advocacy work that you did in that moment for this company and for the working world more broadly moving forward?
1: It was a lot of work and it was kind of a big slap in the face, kick in the butt reality check. I had other work experience, but it 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 became this thought of of like, am I going to have to do this all the time? am i am I going to have to be the one to speak up? And it turns out, you know, that is has been the case. I've had really great experiences. But what ended up happening with this company was, with the early resolution to the human rights complaint um that essentially means that the the um the, the they they followed through on what i wanted on my asks and those asks were that the training staff received training both the existing staff and incoming staff they received training on how to appropriately respond to again in those moment or or more documented type requests for accommodation because that's not how you respond people. You do not question people's needs when they are um, taking the time to explain it in front of peers nonetheless.
0: Yeah. That should mm-hmm. be that should be the basics. That should be the mm-hmm. basics, not like not the advanced level course on this. Uh, right. Jenny, we've only got about four minutes on the clock here, so let's be a little rapid fire with these next couple questions. Tell me about a job that you had that was an Uber positive experience.
1: I loved being a barista. I there was just something about handing someone their Preferred beverage or their pastry, and sort of making them leave a little bit happier than when they arrived. And when I was a barista, it was in a small kiosk location inside a grocery store and it was Starbucks. So there was a real formula, like a real place for everything. And that made it really easy to move about the space and know where everything was as a person with low vision. And then I had those recipes, those drink recipes down, like memorized, like nobody's business. You want a caramel macchiato? Dave, I got you. You want like a dry, half sweet soy hazelnut latte? I got you. Right. It was just, I don't know. That was my favorite.
0: I've what shared, about you? I've shared the story on the air before. I used to work for the University of McGill in the athletics department in the equipment room for where I would hand out towels to gym goers or badminton nets to badminton players, but I would also do the laundry of the sports teams. Let me tell you, doing laundry for a living was an incredible experience because it was so tangible. Put item in machine, take item out of machine, put item into dryer, hang it up after you're done. You could have a very tangible work experience. Satisfying. And people are always happy when you do your laundry for them or do their laundry oh for them. Gosh, yeah. Like they're grateful. It's amazing.
1: That is amazing. Yeah. See, it's the same thing. You le- you, you're doing something for people and it's like you said, so tangible and just so satisfying.
0: Jenny, 30 seconds or less on this one. Let's say you could do any job outside your current careers. I'm saying careers because you do a lot of different things. What would you do?
1: Oh, my God. I have a secret answer. I think I finally figured out what I want to do when I grow up. So I'm going to keep that one for a bit. But I would basically be like I would be Anthony Bourdain. I would do what he did. That would that would be it. I I would travel the world and eat food and make TV and entertain people.
0: Okay. I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. (laughs) Although I think that's kind of in your current level of career, though, if I'm being totally honest with you. It's somewhere in the path that you're already on and you would be fantastic at it. I, I, I mentioned that I liked doing people's laundry. I think if I could run a laundromat or a dry cleaner, I'd be a very happy person. I also think that if I could run a dip enter, a convenience store, maybe connect that to my laundromat and dry cleaner, then we'd really be getting somewhere. But
1: uh, that sounds like a great business plan.
0: I, I, you know, you get people captive doing their laundry and then you sell them a bunch of chocolate bars.
1: They get, you get snacky when you're doing laundry. You
0: definitely get snacky when you're doing laundry. <laughs> uh, Amy, uh, Amy, Jenny, let's uh, wrap up on this thought here, because we've got a minute and 30 seconds on the clock. It's the time of year when a lot of people are shoving pumpkin pie and apple pies into their mouth, but you wanted to give some love to the humble pecan pie. Why?
1: Oh, I want to leave you guys with something sweet. You know, we love our pumpkin pie here on the East Coast. I never met a pie that I didn't like, but I just want to remind everybody that pecan pie is an option. It's so easy to make and it's so delicious you need like four or five ingredients you've you've got them in your cupboard except the pecans a little bit of an investment these days and I will (laughs) always argue it's so worth it to make your own pie crust but even if you don't pecan pie is so easy I got a recipe I'll share it with you if you want
0: pecan pie underappreciated very much underappreciated a delicious item Jenny with a scoop of ice cream or not with your pecan pie
1: Oh yeah, as long as I have my lactose pills.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're that's what they're invented for, right? Just for the sake of having ice cream with pie.
1: Yeah, you've got to enjoy yourself, even if you're a little lactose intolerant. But yes, who could say no to a scoop of ice cream? Is this even a debate?
0: I, I Some people don't like ice cream. Some people are just they're people who don't like things. It's the way it goes. A little
1: whipped cream, maybe, is their alternative.
0: Oh, Jenny, now we're talking. Uh, we are officially out of time, though. we got to go before okay. I start craving too many things.
1: We it, snuck some food in there we, anyway. We
0: always do. Jenny, have a great day. You too, Dave. That's Jenny Bovard. You can find her podcast, Low Vision Moments, on your favorite podcasting platform.